Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane, alongside Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, and Austin Price. Big shout out, as always, to our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Roofing, siding, windows, garage, you can contact Exterior Home Solutions today, 865-524-5888 or online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. No better time than right now, Brent Hubs, to join us on the General's Quarters of AllQuest.com. A lot of talk out there about the recruiting calendar, of course, Tennessee versus the NCAA, Tennessee hoops, a massive basketball stretch happening right now, spring practice around the corner, recruiting as always, and of course, Tennessee baseball. We've got it all at AllQuest.com. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. We talked about the recruiting calendar. I wrote about it um, on signing day in February, which was an irrelevant day for almost everybody in the country. And now they're talking about maybe potentially three signing days and uh, drastic changes to the December calendar. Clearly some changes are coming. So uh, plenty of discussion about that. And obviously plenty of coverage of hoops as Tennessee's put themselves in a position um, to massively uh, help themselves winning a a league championship and being a number one seed. Uh, But they've got the hardest schedule of anybody in the league to close it out. Should be a fun two weeks. Yep, and again, we'll have it all right here at VolQuest.com. We'll get into your mailbag questions. We'll start with Checker Nealon. Rob, this is for you. Would you rather have a one seed in the West with with Arizona as your two seed or a two seed closer to home? Uh, I would personally rather have a two seed closer to home, but you know, opinions vary on that. And I don't, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer, but um, just put me down for, you know, and. I don't know. I mean, what, what are the options there? If you're talking to the Elite Eight, however, if, I, I know I looked them up the other night. I think it's it's Boston, Los Angeles, but Dallas and Detroit, I think. I mean, I don't know if there's a ton of difference. It's not like you're super close to home in that, you know, that Sweet 16 Elite Eight round. So, you know, I, I don't know if that makes a huge difference, but probably – Probably closer to home, but in, in those in, in those instances, you know, Detroit, Dallas, Boston, not that much closer to home. Well, and here's the thing too that normally you would say, okay, I want to go. I maybe I want to go here to avoid this team, right? This team's the one going to be the one seed, and you know, in in the South, and I don't want to be the two seed because of their matchup. But with what we've seen in college basketball this year, Rob, I mean, it, does it really matter? I mean, is it is it is the one seed vastly superior to anybody? Like, do you look at that and go, man, that's the hardest draw because they're they're the clear-cut best team or the clear-cut one of the three best teams? I mean, it's every night somebody's dropping a game somewhere, whether you're the, the, the one of the top four teams in the country or one of the top ten teams in the country. I, I don't – because of the parity, I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference in being shipped west as a one versus being a number two seed – in some other region with, with what we've seen throughout the season in college basketball. Yeah. I, I just, you know, we're, we're taping this, but, you know, 
Kansas just lost at home, you know, this week. I mean, I'm with you, Hubbard. It's, it's been absolutely nuts. I, I don't see a super team, you know, out out there that that you just you know terribly want to avoid. I mean, Tennessee's already played the number one, what the presumptive number one overall seed at Purdue, and yeah, I mean, yeah, they're good, but you know, it's not like they're they're unbeatable or anything. Go to go, go Vols one eight two. The top three most important recruits that are currently that aren't currently committed. Austin, Ooh, that's a good one. I would go David Sanders one. Um, any collection of you know Juan Gaston, Jalen Matthews, the U two kid at Bishop Gorman uh, two. <laughs> any of those? All, I'm going heavy on the offensive tackle. So offensive tackle um, one, offensive tackle two. Yeah, and, and then for me, I go with Darius Jackson because, you know, you're in on Jamie French. You're in on Caleb Cunningham and Marcus Harris and, you know, Khalid Lockett down in Texas. But, like, none of those guys are given, so they could easily all end up elsewhere. You've got to land, find a way to land with Darius Jackson, who's going to continue to rocket up the boards of the wide receiver out of Memphis. Austin White, or, uh, I mean, sorry, Austin Price pulling his best Danny White right there. It's all about offense and scoring points. You're – you're only losing like nine defensive linemen off this roster. Don't you need a defensive lineman somewhere in your priority base? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you, you know, you could go with the Grady kid. Um, I mean, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just feel like Tennessee's in a better position currently with the guys I named. So, like, when to me, like when you're in a better position, you got to find a way to end that and land those kids. You know what I'm saying? T- time to land an elite offensive I, tackle I, in the recruiting ranks, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you that they need defensive, they need some high-end defensive guys. But at this current moment, I don't think I'm looking around going, yeah, they're definitely going to get that guy or they're sure. in line to get that guy. Yeah, I, I think just, when, you're, when you're in line to be in play with somebody, I think you you have to find a way to close some out. And don't get me wrong, David Sanders, Gaston, all those are big boy battles. They could easily lose any of those kids too. I just have a tough time seeing Tessie not getting somebody out of that kind of quartet of tackles. Let's go to volunteered 87. Since I hear multiple multiple people across multiple conferences, outlets talk about who would be the next team or teams to come to the SEC. Can you explain why the SEC would take a team like Clemson or Virginia Tech? Doesn't the SEC already have a big TV market? Seems like uh, they'd just be diluting the payouts to some uh, by some points by slicing the pie into more pieces with schools that uh, aren't national brands or adding some eyeballs to really move the needle going forward. Um, SEC expansion, Brent, and if that does happen again, what are some of those teams that the SEC would go after? Well, I think the only reason you're probably going that direction is if you're moving into the super conference world with a breakaway and you've got basically two conferences. Um, I I think one of the things, if you're the SEC, and and I think the TV market thing is overrated, okay? Let's let's look at the TV market of St. Louis and, and what that market's meant to the SEC. I would say basically nothing. No offense to Missouri, but I, I don't I don't know that the the juice was worth the squeeze. And for for Missouri or for the SEC to, to marry that one together, um, it, it's about your traditional teams. It's about regional teams. We've talked about this numerous times on the podcast. I, I don't think UCLA going to Rutgers makes a lot of sense. I don't think the SEC wants to get into hey let's add you know, Arizona state to our, our conference. So we can get the Phoenix market. Right. Like, I mean, I think you're going to do it and you're going to make sense with doing it. And if you're going to stay regional, then that's going to be the Florida States, the the Clemson's and 
you know, that type of thing. Virginia Tech, if you look at football, I, I just don't think, Rob, that Greg Sankey's in some great, you know, aggressive mode right now to add a bunch more teams to this league. I, I think it's just wait and see how this super conference thing pairs up and, and what happens with the NCAA moving forward before they get into, hey, let's just take somebody to take somebody. Yeah, I agree with it. And I just and I, I just based that on his track record and as opposed to, you know, any kind of speculation. And he's been, you know, even even as it's gotten crazy. I mean, he's been pretty judicious or the SEC has been pretty judicious. I mean, there's I mean, they've added added people, but it's not been just like this mad grab, you know, like I feel like we saw for the Big Ten where What's the word I'm looking for? Every everybody in the SEC is geographically con- contiguous. Is that is that right, AP? Like, there's no you're not leapfrogging states. There's every, every state, you it's know, attached. is attached. I mean, it's one. Yeah. It may go from Texas to you know South Carolina or in Florida, but there's you don't leapfrog over a time zone like, like you do in the Big Ten now. Which is why I'm adding a school from Virginia or North Carolina ties into every bit of that right like you know there's no like we're gonna add colorado and you know everybody they're just gonna be sitting on an island if i'm the sec i I, i've got some curiosities i just kind of want to sit back and see where those pac-12 schools are and where the big 10 is after a year of that thing and it's not just football as we've talked about on this podcast many times but don't you want to just kind of sit back all right y'all be the y'all the guinea pigs on this deal let's see how that thing works before anybody gets some hankering that we need to you know, go dive into some, you know, great move across the country for a TV market or for expansion, just to say we're expanding. Yeah, I don't want to harp on it because, like you said, Heather, we've we talked Beat about it. it. To, to me, it's more it's more about you know what what are the what's the baseball coach you know feel or you know the, the swim coach because all those people are going to hate it. My, my I guess my point is, are their voices going to matter? I mean, football is not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, basketball it's it's going to be a little more of a headache but those those minor sports is is what i can't wait to hear i don't know but can't wait to hear is a little strong but i'll be interested to see the feedback and, and you know how what how it affects that world all right let's go to ponyball 14 what do you think went into the decision for joe kim dotson to transfer from colorville out to Colorado. baylor well i think for joe kim eric you know it, it the chance to play on a little bit bigger stage. Um, you know, obviously they've got a ton of talent down at Baylor. Um, you know, really, you know, nice quarterback and the cherry kid to throw to. He'll be opposite Cam Sparks, another nice wide receiver, um, you know, that Tennessee's obviously in on. Um, and, 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 you know, the fact that I think Baylor's going to kind of adjust their line of thinking to let him graduate early. Um, you know, I, same thing with George McIntyre. Like, you know, BA's never really let kids graduate early. Um, George McIntyre will be here in January, you know. So, I mean, like, I, I think same type thing here. Like, you know, I think the whole graduating early thing is a real thing. I think that, you know, D2, AAA on the whole, they've not been real keen on that. Um, but I think they're having to adjust or they're going to lose kids. I think the kid was very comfortable staying at Collierville. And then when, you know, Baylor was willing to adjust – he adjusted, right? So, I mean, like, I think a lot of this boils down to, like, looking out for the best interests of the kids, getting kids that want to graduate early and can get it done, can get the academic requirements done. I think they should be letting them do that. And clearly some of these schools are pivoting and adjusting. I miss Denarius Moore. It's a good question, Rob. 25 years from now, 
What do you think will be the narratives we use to describe this era of UT sports? Well, I mean, that, I mean, who knows what the next 25 years are going to look like, but based off what's happened in this over the course of this last 25 to, until now, I would have to think you're going to look at it as a pretty, a, a pretty prosperous time in UT athletics. You know, to me, I mean, man, even if nobody's exactly winning a championship, the, your big three are, are, re- are relevant nationally. I mean, they're, they're de- definitely relative in the SEC, but they're, they're relative – relevant nationally and you know I, I don't think there's been a lot of times when you could say that about all three sports i mean and I, and I don't think there's been many times where even people even cared about baseball i mean hubs i know we talk about it all the time but we we've been doing this 20 years you've been doing it longer and i mean for way more than half of those the thought of going over there and covering a baseball game never even crossed our minds right exactly i, I think when you look at it big picture i think it's going to be um, and I, I mean, 25 years is a long time, but I think this, this current cycle that you're in right now at the way it looks right now, it's going to be the cycle that recaptures a generation of fans, uh, after they lost a generation of fans in football. Um, again, I've talked about, I mean, Rob, you've got kids, my age, I've got, you know, we've got kids very similar in ages. They didn't grow up where, you know, Tennessee football was the Mecca. I mean, it, they grew up where it was not very good. And not very competitive. And I think where they're at right now, with where basketball's at, uh, with where baseball's at, I think this is going to be an era that's got a chance to recapture a generation of fans, you know, that were, you wondered if you were going to keep them because they were going to grow up with moms and dads that, yeah, maybe it was just kind of not a big deal, just kind of okay. But this has got a chance to rekindle that, which I think is a big deal. Corrington Vol 17 says, can anyone maybe expand on some of the ridiculous things that assistants, support staffers have done in order to make unofficial official visits stand out to a recruit? I guess kind of talking about the, the cookies and the balloons and the decorating of the, of the rooms and all that. What, what are some other things that, that they do to kind of make those visits special? Well, I mean, a lot, you know, we make fun of the cookie rule and, and, and all that stuff, but I mean, they've limited some of that stuff. When you take away private planes and you take away the exuberant meals that they used to be able to do, you know, with, with, with all that was documented with the kid from South Florida uh, in that diary he did years ago that prompted some changes on what you could do. I, you know, I, I think that Tennessee's done a good job, Austin, of using the river at different points in times to be a little bit different from, than other uh, schools. Um, but it's changing now. All of a sudden, you're trying to figure out how to be different in the summertime, you know, which is, which you can make that advantageous for you. If you're, if you're smart and you got to be creative with that because, you know, it's not just about a January visit. I mean, one of Tennessee's best visit weekends was Martin Luther King weekend in January where everybody got snowed in and got stuck. There's nothing about that visit that said, Hey, Tennessee put on the best show. It's just, they all, they all hung out for four days together, four or five days because they couldn't get out of town. Um, so it, it still goes back about, you know, relationships more than it does the, the bells and the whistles, I guess. I concur. Not much I can add to that. I mean, I, you know, I mean, the, the, they try to take, if they know a, a particular kid likes this or that, they try to tailor, you know, some things to, to a kid. But for the most part, I mean, you know, a lot of these visits are still car wash type deals, right? I mean, like they're going to, every, every kid that goes on a visit, if they're walking away saying, man, that visit was terrible then they probably either went into it with a mindset thinking it was going to be terrible or something drastically went wrong. Cause it's hard to not have a good time. All these schools are going to show 
the best side of themselves. And I think what's fascinating is just how different visits are across sports, right? Like in, in football, maybe you bump into a former player. Basketball, you might pick up a play a play a pickup game with a former player, as well as the current players. I mean, it's just the, the whole mindset of official visits across various sports are, are different, which I find pretty fascinating. Basketball, Rob, don't you just basically try a kid out? Isn't that a lot of what basketball official visits are turned into? Oh, the mute butt got you. So, so, so many so, had had a streak going. Yeah, I mean that that's going to happen. I mean, I, I don't want you know. I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a tryout, but they are certainly. I mean, that they're they're certainly going to get a look at you playing. You know, either one on one, three on three. You're gonna you're gonna have a basketball in your hands. You're out on the court. Uh, bonus question here from Quarantine Vol seventeen. Uh, do we think the NCAA has the guts to try and still throw a Hail Mary and maybe throw a notice of allegations to Tennessee to see if they can make a last-ditch attempt of relevance? I mean, sure, sure they could. I mean, nobody I've talked to believes that that is coming anytime soon, if at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I would argue that, that even going down this road to begin with was dumb based off of, you know, my knowledge of what they have on Tennessee. And, and you know, this is just, I think, more of a – they didn't get the, you know, they didn't get their pound of flesh with the Jeremy Pruitt deal, like they wanted, and you know, I think they, you know, they, they tried to target Tennessee. They leaked stuff out and tried to run Tennessee through the through the mud, so to speak. And you know, Tennessee pushed back, and you know, uh, it, it just didn't end. Re- they're not end real well with this injunction for the NCAA, but that doesn't mean that they'll give up. Let's go next to Grover Levy. Biggest question mark heading into spring practice for the offense, defense, and the special teams. Um, uh, punt returner, um, special teams wise, I guess. Um, safety on defense for me. I think the secondary, secondary in general, just trying to figure out the pieces to the puzzle. Um, and then offensively, left um, guard. Yeah, I go left guard. Yeah. I don't think they'll solve left guard in spring practice. I don't think the secondary will be solved in spring practice either. Definitely um, not. Um, when are the updated or upgraded football facilities, excluding Neyland Stadium, due for completion? Uh, it feels like they've been working on Anderson training facility for like a decade. Can we say not a priority? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, they're they're going to get the south end of the stadium done, and they're going to get uh, Lindsey Nelson Stadium ninety million dollars worth of work done before they finish that expansion to the Anderson Training Center. I mean, you go over there and take pictures, and there were 20 guys working at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and there might have been two or three guys over at the Anderson Training Center. It's just not been – it's a long ways from being done um, from from what I see, and I just don't think it's the major priority right now. All right, we got plenty more questions we're going to get into as we continue on on this edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. But first, get a word from our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Severe weather can strike at any time in East Tennessee. And Mother Nature can do severe damage to the first and most important line of defense that you and your family have against Mother Nature, and that is your roof. Whenever she strikes, make sure that you call the people that I call. Make sure you trust the people that I trust, and that's my friends at Exterior Home Solutions, because they're more than friends, they're truly family. Hey, 
Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Again, you can give them a call today at 865-524-5888, Exterior Home Solutions. Check them out online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. We will continue on with the questions here. Let's go to Andrew Aikens. Um, how are some of the young offensive linemen and defensive linemen doing, um, improving-wise, playing time? What's their outlook for next season? A lot of seniors on both sides, a lot of open slots for 25 that, that need to be filled with some of those young offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Well, I think Austin, I don't think we know on the offensive lineman. I mean, I think that's what this spring should be about. Um, no offense to Cooper Mays and those guys. I, I mean, I don't think you need to beat them up by any means. It's time to go find out if Bison Lane can play center. Um, it's time to try to build some depth for 24, but also for 25. I think you got a little better feel, Austin, or I do, I think defensively, because you like where Hobbs is. Um, there's still a lot of positive buzz about Weathersby, even though he hadn't played. Nathan Robinson, it, it looks, you know, dramatically different, and he's played a little bit. I think you got a little bit better feel uh, for there. Plus, you know, you got the the, the transfer from Stanford is going to be back for another year. So, I mean, you, you're going to have a little bit more veteran. You're not going to turn it over as much on defense as you are on offense because you're rotating so many guys as well. And there's the key, the key word, rotation. Like Rodney plays a big rotation. So even a guy like Hobbs, who was a freshman last year, played quite a bit. Caleb Herring got in, in, in football games. Um, you know, you know, before he got hurt, you know, uh, Tyree Weathersby, as you pointed out, you know, was, was making plays in practice. The, the offensive line you don't hear about as much, the younger guys. So I do think that this is a big uh, spring for those guys because you need to figure out kind of, where they are, where they need to get to, and uh, who can help you this fall. And more on that, like on the defensive line, I mean, sure, you have a position you want your guy to play. Like he's going to play, you know, the three tag. He's going to play the shade. He's going to play the Leo. He's going to play the defense, you know, but there's versatility in those spots. Like David Hobbs can play a number of different spots. You know, Weathersby can play a number of different spots. Jason Jenkins can play a couple different spots. Um, whereas it's a little bit different to where, on offense, I mean, sure, you want to be able to cross-train some guys, but you're going into the season as a left guard. Like, primarily, you're getting a lot of reps left guard, you know? Um, so I just think it's a little bit different as well, and that's why I think the defensive line, to y'all's point, is a little bit further along you, you in the know, guard. You know, Jenkins is an interesting deal just from a standpoint. He kind of came on at the end of last year, got some run in the bowl game, and then, you know, if, if you happen to catch Balco Confidential with James Pierce, he's the one guy Pierce brought up, you know, that, that he thinks is going to take a big step, you know, heading into this season. So kind of interesting to see kind of a forgotten man, I would say six to eight months ago, not so much forgotten amongst people in that building. And a guy AP that started kind of on the outside. And as, as time has gone on, he's kind of bumping, has the ability to play on the inside too. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a big body. Let's go to big orange 17. When do you expect the football kickoff times to be announced and any rumblings on whether the Chattanooga game will get moved to Thursday? I, I, I believe I, I personally believe it will get moved to Thursday. Else. I know they've not announced that. Um, I don't think they've for sure made that decision yet, but I think that there was already a, 
push for that. And then NC State moved their game from Saturday to Thursday. And so I just would be shocked if that game doesn't end up on Thursday. Maybe hey, y'all handle the two-minute drill. You got rivalry Thursday that night, all right? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know about. I don't know about shocked, but I, I, it's definitely on the table for discussion. Rob, I think one of the interesting things that is part of that discussion that, that listen, football coaches want to play. If that gives them a chance to get a couple of days preparation for somebody, they're all about it. If it gives them a chance to start fall camp a day or two early, they're all about it. I think from an administrative standpoint, you got to look at it's been a while since you opened on a Saturday in, in Neyland Stadium and how big of a factor is that knowing you're going to open, I guess, on a neutral site field next year. Is that a big deal to your fan base? Is that not a big deal to your fan base? I think that's something Danny White has to look at and 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 dive into. Selfishly, I got no problem with Thursday night, but I don't. I mean, for the fans, I understand that that's not the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, my biggest. I mean, not complaint, but my biggest. I guess my, my the thing that stands out the most to me about that, and what you'll hear about the most, is people coming from the mid state or or Atlanta area, or you know wherever and I, and I hear that I mean I think you know generally the the opener is not going to be a great great opponent you know or you're not going to play somebody great that early in the season so you know the, the excitement is just about the you know the atmosphere the festivities around it so I mean if you move that from Saturday I, I, I think you still a lot of that it, you know but I, you know, I, I see all sides I certainly know why like you say Hubbard if Josh Eiple could get an hour you know, or get started an hour earlier, you know, he, he'd be all for it. But, you know, with so, so much of your alumni and, and support being in the mid state, you know, I, I personally don't, don't like it, but, but I, I, I get why, you know, the hype and others do for sure. Well, anytime you get to sit around and be a fan and watch college football on Saturday, I'm for, because we don't sure. get to do that often. And also I'm very much for it this year because there would be no 6am radio to wake up to no all nighters uh, to, to be pulling after the seven or eight o'clock kickoff on Thursday night. So you, I'm all for it too. You, you, you would be able to watch football during the day on Saturday, but it would be, there'll be robbery Thursday on Saturday. That is correct. Uh, always something there to bring me down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to pine. And uh, Pine says, what ball game are you looking forward to covering the most next football season? Easy for me. That's Oklahoma. Uh, and, and what non-vol college football game do you wish you could cover next football season? That's a fun question. I'll go Oklahoma for the game I'm looking forward to the most. Anybody else? I'll go Arkansas. I don't know. I just love their setup out there. I love how – I just love that kind of it's on that hillside. like how the, the stadium sets down into a little bit of a bowl – um, I like going to Arkansas. It's it's a tough place to get to, but you know, once you're there, I, I do enjoy it. Um, It'll be my first trip to Fayetteville too. Outside of that, I would say I, I'd love to go to a game at like you know Camp Randall. I, I don't know if there's a specific game I want to go cover next year, but I would love to. I'd love to see Ohio State Michigan. Yeah, you know, that, I'd like to see that Michigan. I mean, I think, you know, if you're saying road game, I guess Oklahoma, because there's a storyline there. Um, I, I think the Alabama game here is going to be pretty fascinating because where, where's Alabama at compared to where they've been the last couple of years? Um, I think that's always a good game to cover. And, and I think where Alabama is in this transition is going to be pretty pretty fascinating to, to see as well. If I if I liked cold weather, I would love to go and, and watch Army-Navy because um, I, I think that would be a really cool game and really cool. I just don't know that I could – I could handle three and a half hours. Is it in Charlotte next year, Hubs? Army, Navy? 
I'm pretty sure it's in Charlotte next year. I think it's a different site than than they've been playing. You know, they've been normally playing Baltimore, D.C. Like last year they played yeah. it up. They didn't play B.C. last year? In, in Boston, yeah. yeah. Let me look this up. Army-Navy. You just keep – that, Brad, that's a good call because I was going to say bucket list all time would be an Army-Navy game at some point. Yeah, all right, Rob, sure. Rob, what do you got? Where do you, you want to go see a game at? Uh, I would probably like you – know, Washington would be cool. Something like that. No, not it would be. I'm like AP. It'd be more about going to see a place than any particular matchup for me. Washington, yeah, Washington be pretty cool. I think a pretty cool place to see a game. Um, that you know, kind of check, kind of check out what they got going on. Speaking of Washington, it's in Washington D.C. Yeah, I started to say Charlotte doesn't make doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, it didn't make sense to me either, but I don't know why that was in my head. Uh, But basically, it goes Washington D.C., Baltimore, and then New Jersey. All right, so let's move on to Nashville 615. Got a couple of questions here. Uh, the first one, predict the wide receiver that ends up with the most catches and yards for Tennessee in 2024. Brent, I'll go squirrel will lead in catches, and I'll go squirrel will lead in yards. I guess that's just the easy way to do it. What about yeah, you? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It'll be the slot guy. I mean, the slot the slot's the most productive spot in this in this in this deal. So, I mean, you would assume that's going to be squirrel, but but what does that slot position look like? What's their rotation like there? How do they go? Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I I don't. It's just a wild shot in the dark, right? Squirrel's the easiest answer, AP, because he's the most experienced guy at the most productive position coming. I'll back. take the guy that had double the amount of the number two receiver on Tennessee's roster last year, Squirrel White. I, I don't Different think quarterback going to spread I, the ball. There you go. Right. I don't You're think right. you can make a guess on this because I don't, I think they will look different with Nico than they ever looked with Joe. I agree. Like a lot of that side to side stuff. I mean, it'll be there a little bit. I don't think it would be nearly as prevalent um, this fall. So I just, I, I don't really think you can make a, you know, a, a hardcore guess, um, you know, on that. I, I would, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. Rob, tell us why it's going to be Chaz and Emrod. <laughs> I don't think it will be Chaz and Emrod. I, I don't, I don't have any, anything interesting to add. I'll go squirrel. All right. I'll- Safe bet. Uh, let's go here. What are you looking? What are you looking to see of Nico's development the most this spring? If you're Joey Halsley and Josh Heupel, what do you want to see from Nico this spring? Well, I just, I mean, continued, you know, continued feel for the game, uh, quick reads, quick decisions. I mean, I, I think he's done a lot of things well. Um, again, I, I don't know how great Iowa was. So how is he with the speed of the game? Different looks. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of things he thinks he's seen, Eric that he hasn't seen yet. So it's just, to me, it's going to be about growth from week to week. He's not going to be perfect the first part of the season. There's going to be growing pains. He's going to throw a pick, you know, he's going to fumble, make a mistake and do some things. How does he bounce back from that? And, you know, how does he handle the speed of the SEC versus the speed of Iowa? I mean, it's just, it's different. I know he got sacked a bunch, but I mean, no offense to Iowa who quote had a good defense, but, um, It'll it'll be different for him that way. So just you know, probably the speed of play, decision making, all that kind of stuff. Hey, I don't care who you are. You allow four rushing touchdowns in twelve games, thirteen games. It's pretty good. And then of course it's Nico. He's he's quarterback, but you know Nico gets in there three times. I can watch game. Tennessee play Iowa ten times. Tennessee's going to score thirty plus, and Iowa's not going to score. 14 points. Well, I'm with you on the Iowa not scoring 14 points for sure. And Tennessee's (laughs) going to score 30 every time against them. 
they're just they just are. I mean, no offense. I mean, I'm well, not. I mean, I mean, I mean, defense, but not not to get off on the sidebar here. But if it wasn't for Tennessee's defense, Tennessee wouldn't have scored thirty in the ball game. Yeah, but they also played with a guy who was playing his first real snaps at quarterback. That counted. Yeah. I'm just well, telling you, you line up and do that. They're going to score points against well, them. Not that I'm disagreeing with you. Very few elite playmakers on the outside. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, and you didn't have you didn't have your best running back. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm and just the offensive that, line wasn't the same either. The the defense was a major reason why for that football game. Obviously, James Pierce. Um, last one here from from Nashville six one five. Would UT ever start the Memphis series in football or in other sports again? I get beef with Penny. With Penny, uh, regional rivalries is one of the most fun things about college sports. Um, Tennessee playing Memphis in football. No Tennessee baseball plays Memphis every couple of years. Tennessee basketball is that comeback, Rob? What about Memphis here? I don't see it in basketball. And, no, I don't. Uh, I, don't I mean, I don't, what's, I don't, the, what's the advantage for Tennessee to play that game in, in any sport? Well, there's no advantage. None, none for me. I mean, I mean Tennessee fans that, that live in Memphis don't like to hear you say it, but there, there's no there, there's no advantage. I the, just, only re- the only reason they played it, sorry, AP, the only reason they played it in football this last time is, is the people on Capitol Hill got it going there and got the presidents to agree to play. And I just, I don't see that happening, AP. You're talking about the 2010 game? Yeah, the last time they played. Yeah. That was all political pressure. Yeah, so in 2010, I, my, my fond memory of that is walking into the Liberty Bowl. The governor's going to be there, right? So you'd think there'd be a little bit extra security. No, they didn't check anything. Like, we just walked straight in. We could have 74 bombs, and and no, no, no one checked anything. I was just like, well, this makes me feel safe. I mean, like that's that's my uh, that's my memory from the Liberty Bowl. There is a lot of places. Not going to name venues, but there's a lot of places around the region to where if you're media, you can walk in with whatever you want because they're not checking those bags. They're just putting that little tag on it, moving you along, which I'm fond of because I'm always in a hurry. But like, whereas if you're a fan, you got to go through the metal detector and you got to get patted down and everything. But like media, you're just like, oh, let me tag your bag here. Go on. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, let's go to let's go to Case Koval. Which transfer defensive back are you most excited to see on the practice field this uh, spring? For me, it's Jermaine McCoy. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Twenty twenty two versus twenty twenty four football teams by position group. This is interesting. Quarterback. I would go twenty two because we haven't seen Nico play. Anybody disagree? Yeah, I mean, right now you take Hendon Hooker based yeah. on what what you know he did in twenty two. You know, because you're talking about the results of 22 mm-hmm. versus the um, projection of what you think you're going to be in 24. So it's 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 not an apples to apples comparison, right? No. I mean, you're you're guessing a lot of what 24 is going to look. Do I think Nico can end up being a better quarterback than than Hendon Hooker in, in some ways? Sure, but I, I when I look at Hendon Hooker's production, I'm taking Hendon Hooker because I know what I've got there in this offense. So on that same preface, running backs, I would take the running backs as we saw what Jalen Rye would eventually become, and we just don't know about you know Samson and, and Selden being the guys yet. Uh, tight ends, I guess I would take 2022's tight ends. Princeton fan had a really good year. Wide receivers, hard to argue with what Jalen Hyatt did in 2022, so I'd take 2022's wide receivers. But see, I'm, I'm with Hubs, though. So much of this is just unknown. Like, you don't know yeah. what Holden State is. You don't know what Chris Brazel is. You don't know – I mean, you know what I'm but saying? But will anybody have an impact like Princeton Fan had on your team in 2022? Well, I don't know because I don't know how they're going to use them. I mean, did anybody going into 22 going, man, we can't live without Princeton Fan? <laughs> Holy smokes, how are we going to play football with Princeton Fan's not on the team? 
I just don't think it. I don't think it's a. I'm not trying to pick on the poster. I think it's a question that you can't answer. But I do think questions like you're seeing on the board, Rob, where you're comparing the Grant Williams senior year basketball team to this basketball team that's got 28 games under their belt. You could you can have those discussions with some merit to it. It's hard to have a discussion about. I mean, why don't we say well, what's the 22 team going to look like versus the 26 team with George McIntyre at quarterback? I think the best thing would be would be to go back, Rob, and if, if Tennessee, let's say Tennessee goes ten and two this fall, is at that point revisit this and go, okay, now let's go. Well, that's not the best way. It's the only way. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, I mean, otherwise, it's like you know, I, I, I don't go ahead. Well, I mean, remember this time a year ago, everybody was talking about there's not going to be a step, a big drop off from Jalen Hyatt to Dante Thornton. because Dante. No, Thornton I mean, you're, was, I mean you, it's, he, it's he was impossible. a freak athlete, right? It's impossible to, to say that right now. Sure. Let's go to Sam Smith, 22-33. Alabama went to Kentucky School of Defense, but, man, can they score outside of Sears? Who scares you the most on that roster, Rob? Man, I, I mean, I don't know that there's a number. I don't know that number two stands out. I mean, I guess Griff, is it Griffiths, the, the kid that's been playing with a Band-Aid over his eye the past couple of games? Yeah, um, to, to me, Rob, it's it's all about Sears giving those I mean, guys look with his dribble penetration, right? I mean, those guys to, around shoot threes. I just, I mean, they don't have. I mean, they they you know long bouncy bigs, but I mean, they don't have you know crazy you know bigs that are crazy you know great scores. That's a that's a pretty good question. Now that you mentioned that, that's a pretty good question because I don't know who I would really say is you know worries me outside I, of you know and I and I don't. You know, study Alabama basketball religiously, but that's you know when you start thinking about who who is you know, Bat, you know Robin his AP's favorite analogy who's who's Mark Sears' Robin, you know I that's pretty good. To to me, it's whoever's standing on the baseline for the wide open three when that when the help defense when, when he comes kicks when he kicks it out. If that guy's making shots, they're totally different. You know, in the first half against Florida, that guy didn't make any shots. Second half against Florida, they made three or four, and that was the difference in the game to get it to overtime. Yeah, I mean, Estrada. I mean, Estrada to me is, I mean, he's good, but he's not special. I mean, there's such a big drop off after after Sears. Um, you know, Griffin can make shots. Estrada can make shots. Who's the other kid? I can't. Nelson, Grant, Grant Nelson. Um, to me, just not a lot of separation of those guys. Uh, outside of Sears, I mean, to me, it made a huge drop off. I mean, pretty much the, the same as you would say. You know, who do you, outside of you know Dalton Connect, who do you worry about with Tennessee? I mean, big, big drop off. All right, a couple of baseball ones here, real quick from Sam. Uh, do you think Drew Beam is locked into Saturdays, or could he move up if AJ Russell isn't ready for Tuscaloosa? Um, yeah, I think that's a possibility. If Russell isn't ready to, for to begin SEC play, I certainly think that's a possibility. But they really like Beam on Saturdays. They've uh, you know, Tony Vitello said that pretty much in every press conference. They like having a guy that you know exactly what you're going to get on Saturdays. But uh, I do think that could be a possibility if Russell were not to be back. Does the outfield mix of KT, Dylan, Bargo, and Robin Villanueva together scare you in a big ballpark? Absolutely. Look good in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Lindsey Nelson Stadium is a tiny ballpark. Um, do I think it's enough to not to see that when you go on the road or something? No. I mean, I, I think they've proven that they can absolutely get out there and play. I think KT has shown that he's played pretty good center field the last couple of games. He's got an arm to play anywhere. Um, but does it scare you a little bit? A little bit. But I, I still want to see that combination out there. And I think Tennessee's 
proving that he can play that combination in the outfield the last couple of games has been fun to watch. But to your point, we'll see when they go on the road. And then staff has two major guys who are injured now. Should there be any worry about that? I mean, I, I don't know enough about forearm injuries and, you know, soreness of the side and, and stuff like that to really even get into that. Dean Curley's going to be okay. He got hit in the head with a with a pitch. What are you going to do about that? Uh, Stamos, we'll see, you know, from last night. And, of course, A.J. Russell's making his way back. I can't comment on that because I, I don't know enough about that type of stuff for, for baseball players. Uh, a couple more here. Let's let's uh, hit them pretty quick here. Let's go to Athron. Could the cloud of NCAA notice of allegation stuff keep us from a top five class in recruiting? I'm going to go no. Um, do I think it could impact one or two kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. But do I think it's going to hurt dramatically? No, I do not. Next recruit to commit within 15 days or 30 days? Go 30 days. Predicted best overall player from the 2024 class and as college in college this year uh, does not have to be a UT player. Yeah, I don't know because I, mean, I just like, make it make it simple, make it UT player. Uh, whew. I'm gonna go uh, Jordan Ross. And will we have more than a five-man rotation out receiver this season? It's a good question, Brent. I mean, I feel like we always think that it's a three-man when everyone's healthy. Tennessee played a lot more receivers last year, but you kind of had to because of lack of production and the injuries. Do you think Tennessee will play five receivers or probably probably less than that? I think it depends on how they're playing, you know? I mean, I think that with this offense and the way this offense goes, then, you know, if somebody's being productive, you're probably not taking that guy off the field, right? If – you know, I mean, do I think they will work some guys in, you know, earlier in the game and try to be a little more, have a little more depth? Sure, I think there will. But I, I think at some point it comes back to, you know, your production. Who, If, if you're not going to produce when you're given an opportunity, you're not going to play. Um, you know, and that was the case a couple of years ago where Tennessee just basically shelved it and went to three guys. Um, I think they would like to play more than three. I think they have the talent to play more than three. So they will be more than three this year. But I don't know that it's every other series, you're going to see a wholesale change of a bunch of wide receivers out there, but they'll play more than three. They're, they're much better than they were two years, three years ago there, AP, I guess, whenever they, they shelved, you know, th those guys, cause they couldn't catch the ball and decided to only play three. They'll play more than three. Robo 22 says with a ruling on Friday, how do you see things changing for schools and name image and likeness? Is it possible for schools and coaches to now discuss NIL options straight up with recruits? Could this actually cause the collectives to merge into a different role if schools can openly discuss NIL deals with recruits? Which schools will be first to test those waters? Kind of a loaded question, AP, but take a stab at it. What the whole thing was about is the ability to to negotiate before you uh, you know make a decision. You know, um, and so you know, thus right now until you know until it goes to trial or until they say otherwise, the injunction allows you know you know. Ole Miss's collective or Tennessee's collective or Alabama's collective to go out and, and talk to a recruit and discuss, you know, kind of their thoughts on, you know, the value. I don't know that anybody's going to move their NIL collective in-house right away. I, I think that everybody's going to kind of wait and see, you know, is this thing going to court? What, what are some things that come out of, you know, discussion about NIL before that they just pack up and say, hey, we're, we're, we're absorbing the collective and bringing it in-house but clearly there's going to be more promotion 
there's going to be more open discussion. As AP mentioned, that's the whole reason for, for the, for the case for recruits. I mean, that's just, now it takes the whole talking and code and all this other stuff <laughs> out of the equation. Now you can, now you can send a contract to a high school kid. That mean I don't hey, have to, does that mean I don't have to talk and code anymore? I just, well, it means the kid's going to get a PDF. He's going to get a PDF on his phone that says, Hey, if you sign here, here's what you're going to make. Not here's what here's what the average of your position makes. This is what your deal is going to be if you sign with this school. That's yeah, I mean, the, basically what it made the, the injunction allowed Matt Hibbs, who runs Georgia's Collective, or Hunter Badur, who you know is one of the late league guys at Spire. They could walk up and talk to a recruit right in front of somebody from the NCAA, and they can't do anything about it. Yep. Last question. We'll end with UT champions. Who is the better steamed sandwich, Gus's or Sam and Andy's? I'm going Gus's. AP? Uh, Gus's. Rob? AP, when's the last time you had a steamed sandwich, AP? Mm, about two years ago. <laughs> I, I don't see a big difference in either one of them. I've not had a steamed sandwich. too far away from Rob's house. He doesn't <laughs> venture that far. I've had, both, I've, both, I've had both in the not, not too recent past. Um, I will go Sam and Andy's as well. Big thanks, everybody, for sending in your questions. Uh, got through a lot of these here uh, today, so I appreciate that. As always, big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for uh, being the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Local and trusted since 1999. If you have a need for uh, roofing, a garage, window siding, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They uh, lead East Tennessee in renovations, and they can help you as well. 865-524-5888 or online at ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Brent Hubbs, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for joining us here today on the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.